Hello, and welcome to VoIP for Independent Telecoms, the podcast for local service providers who want to offer great voice services on a resilient network. I'm your host, Andrew Ward, and today I'm joined by David Ansel from reInvent Telecom. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, Andrew, for having me. Glad to be here. Excellent. It's a delight to have you. For those who don't know you, could you start by telling us just a little bit about yourself and your role at reInvent? Sure. So over here at reInvent, I am the director of wholesale. So reInvent is a division of Saddleback Communications. And Saddleback Communications is actually an ILEC based out of Scottsdale, Arizona. And about you know 14 years ago, they started a wholesale division. They are uh, completely uh, MetaSwitch based. Pretty much everything MetaSwitch makes, you know, we're we're using, um, and have been very tied into MetaSwitch since the beginning. And they kind of started up with some early partners that um, really uh, wanted to sell under their own name. So the Saddleback side of the business actually took care. So we are owned by a tribal community. Uh, Salt River Maricopa Pima Indian community is actually our owners. And uh, they um, they started up the, the Saddleback Communications really to service the community in the beginning. And it's kind of grown from there, you know, with the wholesale side. Um, and then actually we the Saddleback does service a, a retail sector, uh, retail corridor as well. So my role over here at reInvent is to work with all of our partners, which are all across the nation, reselling our MetaSwitch-based UCAS and Cloud Contact Center, CCAS, and SIP trunking, all under their own name. So that is what I do. There is really two sides to our business, the traditional ILEC and then the wholesale side. Excellent. Cool. Thank you. Um, and the reason I wanted to have you on today was because, in part, I wanted to have a, a conversation um, about hosted PBX and UCAS and even CCAS, you know, from a technology point of view and kind of what's what's going on as those products develop. And But then also, like you said, reInvent has a particularly uh, unusual or you know, interesting model here. You're not just servicing you know, your own local subscribers. You've got this wholesale model. And so I wanted to explore that a little bit as well. So... Maybe to start, if there's anybody who's happens to have hit play on this podcast who doesn't know what hosted PBX or UCAS or CCAS means, could you help us define those terms? Sure. UCAS stands for Unified Communications as a Service. You know, they have, our industry is terrible with acronyms. Uh, CCAS Contact Center as a Service. So those are the two big ones. And basically, what we're talking about is running. Uh, the PBX functionality, you know, what people used to buy and put in their closets with their switching gear and for their phone services. And you might at the time connect an analog line or PRI to it. But now all of that's taking place in the cloud. There's just been a tremendous shift from everything on premise to the cloud, pretty much everywhere inside enterprises and businesses. But in telecom in particular, the, that move has been massive. And reInvent, we probably on the Saddleback side, they jumped on the MetaSwitch early and their unified communications are, are cloud PBX services. And so, so we've been providing that to businesses in the community on the Saddleback side and then through our partners all around the country. And so it's, it's really just pretty much everything a business would need communication-wise, you know, just the phone service uh, and the PBX. But, but it's all hosted in the cloud. It's all kind of managed by us and our partners in the wholesale side. But the telephony is built in, the PBX functionality is built in. If they need queuing and call center type of capabilities, that's all built in. And is that it's all sold in, in kind of a monthly recurring revenue basis. So just like traditional telecoms would sell phone service and, and they would get a bill, but now you're billing them for all of their services. You know, we've taken that uh, technology and kind of monetized that, put that in the cloud. And largely, you know, we rely on MetaSwitch, uh, which is now Microsoft, actually. But we've bought other platforms that, you know, kind of best of breed platforms to fill in the gaps that uh, MetaSwitch doesn't provide. Just about everything that, you know, what you would see in a hosted PBX competitor out there, we can pretty much provide today. So those kind of come into like call recording or call logging solutions, hosted fax solutions, or, you know, people think of eFax. So all of that really now becomes a service in the cloud. 
And the Saddleback side, we resell that or our partners kind of go to market under their own name. You know, I will say what's kind of interesting, Andrew, is that we work with not only uh, like today, it's MSPs and VARs who are kind of coming to us and we're, are, we're, we're approaching about on the wholesale side, becoming partners so they can go to market under their own name. But we also work with, and this is why I think might be particularly interesting to your listeners, we work with a lot of MetaSwitch partners. They might have the MetaSwitch and, uh, and the, even the SBCs, permanent SBCs, and they might be selling you know, just basically you know, analog dial tone or PRI, or they might have moved to SIP, but they haven't made that complete investment in everything MetaSwitch. And they, they want to provide that, or they're looking at providing that. So lately, uh, you know, we've had several of our new partners actually have been people with their own meta switch, but they just, they're not sure if they want to buy all the licenses yet. Um, and, or, and they, or they want to start selling this, they have to, to be competitive. So we've started working with a lot of meta switch providers to kind of supplement what they have. And it's a very familiar platform. We give them the access so they program it. They have complete control. But that's been really exciting because, you know, frankly, we love those partners because they're usually trained very well and they're experts in their field. They just don't happen to have all of this on, uh, on their system. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine working with folks who, yeah, already know all the technology to a much greater degree than somebody who's coming from a totally different world must be a big help. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned a, a long list of features there, and it sounds like I can imagine putting that all together is quite a challenge. Thinking about this from the, the end user, the business's viewpoint for a minute, you know, if they're coming from a more traditional world, maybe a, you know, a traditional PBX on-premise or even a key system, something like that, and they're used to, used to that world and they get hosted service, UCAS for the first time, what are some of the things that you find they're particularly like pleasantly surprised by or you know, new features that they come across that they say, oh, that's cool, I can do that, and they've not seen that before? What are the things that cause a little bit of you know, pizzazz, excitement uh, in the end users? Well, I think you know one of the things that on the MetaSwitch platform that they've done exceptionally well is their client. They call it MaxUC. You know, in the past it was called Accession, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I've worked at a number of traditional PBX providers where you know doing all the development, and I know how much work goes into making those clients work well. And I think one of the things that um, that we've really seen is uh, and like pandemic put the whole business into overdrive, right? I feel like uh, we did a lot of education talking to people about how a remote client actually worked. You could use it on your mobile phone or your PD or your iPad or your computer. You don't even need a phone, really. You could just use a headset. But we spent a lot of time educating and really trying to convince people that that technology was you know, real and, and good to go. And the uh, the Max you see just works incredibly well, and they did a really nice job of designing the kind of call flow capabilities. So one of the things that I think delights people is, you know, you can start off on your desk phone or the computer, and you're on a call. We're on video. You can see my Yealink phones in the background. Now they become shelf items because I switched to headsets years ago and just used the soft client only. But um, I'll start off with a call that comes in on the LAN and I'm on my PC. And then on the soft client, I can actually, it will tell me on my uh, mobile phone, I have a call available to pull. And most other systems, they've implemented it where you have to actually push a button on the desk phone and you know, send it over. But Metaswitch did this pull functionality where you just touch that and it actually seamlessly comes over to your mobile device. And the, the caller doesn't actually hear anything. That just worked really, really smooth. So now I've moved off the LAN and I've moved on to the Wi-Fi. Well, then now I've got it on my mobile client on my on my cell phone. If I want to, I could send it back to my desk phone or my client on my computer. Uh, so that works really well. Also seamless. I could, you know, if I need to go down and get more coffee or whatever, uh, answer the door because you know Amazon's there. We we always need more coffee, <laughs> yeah, right? And Amazon seems to be always there lately, yep. right? <laughs> but uh, um, so the uh, so I mean, I think I like you. We have young kids, right? Mm-hmm. So I uh, during all this, we were in a hybrid school environment. So I would pull the call off my land. I gab it on the Wi-Fi. I go down and get in my car, and it would seamlessly switch over to 4G. 
and the caller still doesn't know anything. So I'm still carrying on my conversation. Well, I happen to live in some foothills and the 4G can be spotty. So the other thing that MetaSwitch did in their client, which was super cool and very, you know, very well thought out, is it gives you the ability to push that call back to the MetaSwitch and it'll send you send it over as a PSTN call to your cell phone. So now it's off of using voice over IP and really using a PSTN call to the cellular phone. And so I can continue on that call down and at least until I get the kids. <laughs> no longer can continue an actual conversation. But, but that whole call flow and the way that that client has been designed works really better than anything I've seen in all the competitors that I've worked for and even you know, working with developers, trying to come up with their own at different places. So I, I think that delights people, that seamlessness of pulling it over and sending it back. It, it does work really well and it's, it's very good. I mean, there, there's a lot of things. But that fundamental thing is so important. Just, you know, we do still make calls. Everybody says, oh, telephony isn't, you know, the phone system isn't important until it doesn't work, of course. Then it's the most important thing in the world. But uh, so, yeah. So um, it sounds like you're definitely in the of the opinion that the phone is not dead. That the you know the pandemic has obviously massively boosted the use of Zoom and Teams and and all of this kind of thing. But people are still using phones. In your experience, you haven't seen kind of people just say, "Hey, I don't need phone numbers anymore. I'm going to just use Zoom for all of our calls." Yeah, I'm going to make a prediction. I think people are getting a little tired of the Zoom meetings. So not only is phone going to be alive, but I'm pretty sure live meetings are coming back. I'm certainly chomping on the bits to travel. I'm looking forward to going to a conference. <laughs> you know, if we don't use those expense accounts, you know, the financial people are going to take them away. So we got to get back out there. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think that there has been a definite shift to people using the meetings through the pandemic. I mean, that's another thing is that you know, MetaSwitch, Microsoft, now they kind of have a kind of a double play, which we, which we talk about. You can use their own collaboration software, you know, which is built on Zoom. It's a private label version of Zoom and works exceptionally well. And then now they're part of Microsoft. So we've heavily embraced teams at Saddleback and reInvent, you know, mainly from the direct routing side, but um, we're part of seven enterprises. And and those organizations are some of a couple of them are pretty large and they really, really excited about teams. So that's that's been a driver. But then our partners have been a driver, too. And so there's just been, you know, this natural flow to teams. But in terms of calling, yeah, that's that's the interesting thing. I don't see it going away. I think what people like about, you know, it, it, I'm I'm a terrible interviewee because I, I think of a lot of different things. So these questions are going to be answers are going to be rambling, Andrew. I'm just warning you. That's okay. Whoever edits my podcast is going to be annoyed at you, but that's all right. They'll earn their money. <laughs> so, so it just really depends on the type of businesses is what I've found. The larger enterprises, they are particularly doing voice in contact center. They're augmenting that uh, with uh, probably email and SMS queuing as well. But the all the bigger companies almost have some type of contact center need and voice is really important. And so they might not, you know, the kind of like the knowledge workers in the office they might not be doing a lot of calling. Most of their calling, depending on the business, might be internal. And then everything external is going to be more meetings. Smaller and medium businesses, they rely on phones. Like if you're you know, an HVAC contractor, or if you're a florist, or if you're a school, even though everybody's kind of leveraging the technologies and, and creating more channels for communications, that phone, I mean, if you want to contact somebody and you get a thousand dollar water bill. You want to talk to the water company? Hey, what is going on here? You know, right. so, um, so it's yeah, that's it. that's an interesting that's an interesting division I hadn't really thought about in the types of businesses. I think you're right. I mean, you know, my business is business to business, right? I'm working with a you know with clients who I know, and we have regular communications, and we have moved more towards the kind of Zoom type world. But the small businesses that are consumer focused, you know, the consumer to business um, groups, they're I agree. I, I don't see them scheduling calendar invites to talk to their customers um, over Zoom. They're going to be just accepting phone calls. So I think there's probably a, a everyone's going to need a phone line, but there's probably a difference to the degree um, in kind of business to business enterprises versus kind of consumer to business, smaller businesses. So here's another observation that I've made, Andrew. Like people, when they're kind of doing things in a organized way, uh, like, oh, I need to make this appointment, you might go online and use their online system. When 
there is a problem. Mm -hmm. People still want to talk to people, right? And if you don't have a channel for that, if you don't have a way to, to allow that, your customers are going to be very upset. So I, I think, you know, most businesses, and especially small, medium businesses that deal with consumers, they're aware of that and they know that they have to have some type of live access. Yeah. You know, we, we do something also called like one of our big, <laughs> our president's concept for our partners and our Saddleback direct customers is something that uh, he likes to call customer delight. I love this concept. Mm -hmm. So we talk about it all the time. It is one of our uh, seven guiding pillars, you know, inside our organization. And I think if you set up an organization where they, you cannot get to a person, it is very hard to deliver customer delight. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, as you were talking, even before you mentioned the seven guiding pillars, one of our core values within our business is pick up the phone, which is partly relating to talking to people rather than you know email. But it's also about that responsiveness because there's a inherent delay in, oh, I'm going to schedule a call with you, you know, at some point in the future. Whereas if somebody raises a ticket or wants help now, like you say, they want to be able to pick up the phone and talk to somebody right away or send an email and get a response back in a few minutes. That's the kind of thing that surprises and delights people and gives them that immediate responsiveness that they they, you know, might not feel they get it from a planned, scheduled appointment tomorrow or whatever. Oh, we all want the planned and scheduled. It's just much, you know, it's much easier to hire staff, right? If you can schedule everything and you have everything kind of planned, you have a predictable day, a predictable work pattern, you can take lunch. I mean, you know, I'm on the sales marketing side. And, and so, you know, I pretty much uh, have given up the concept of anything Plan and predictable people are, you know, if there's an opportunity, we want to work with them right away. And so, but it is better if you can do that, but you have to leave that flexibility and, and that, that talk, that ability to talk to people. There's been an interesting study too, and I can't remember where I read it, but it was talking about millennials were actually talking on the phone. Mm. So definitely talking hasn't gone down. If anything, talking went way up. I do think a lot of it shifted to meetings which has been interesting, especially during the pandemic. I mean, that is nice because you can plan them. But then I find a lot of times people aren't using the video. Right. So we talked at the beginning of this interview, are we going to record the video or are you turning it on? So we have it on and it's a much more enriched and lively conversation because we can see each other and respond. Yeah. And so, so there's definitely a big advantage to the meetings when you're, when you're trying to, you know, newer customers or, trying to understand what's going on. It's an interesting... I think we're going to see more of it. It's an interesting balance because, yeah, I always have my video on when I'm doing a video call um, because I want to build that relationship with people. And like you said, um, but at the same time, as a more introverted kind of person, I also find that put a, even one call, there's certainly two calls in the beginning of my day like this, then I get to the end of them and I'm wiped out. I'm like, I, I'm done now. I, I need a break. I need a nap. You know, um, And I think maybe if people are just doing voice only, maybe that's easier. Maybe that's less stressful. You know, Maybe they have to be less engaged and active and energetic uh, in the calls. And maybe that makes things a little bit easier. Yeah. Well, it is interesting because in a live meeting, if you like go into somebody's office and meet in the conference room, I don't think you feel exhausted. And they talk about, you know, Zoom fatigue and all, all of this. And, and it is real. You know, I mean, I just have whole days full of these meetings. And I think people prefer to have their video off a lot of times because they can multitask easier. You can meet, right. you know, especially if you're on a, a larger meeting, you know, you're there, but you don't have to be involved. But on, you know, smaller meetings, it's really, it's really hard not to have that video on. And it does take this heightened level of attention when you're on video calls that does tend to, to wear people out because it's just a different level of focus and it's all really a new workflow, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not going to go away, but I'm, I'm a big believer in seeing people live and I don't know, maybe there'll be less travel, but I'm sure there'll be less travel and more video. It's just very efficient, but there's nothing like actually even <laughs> outside a phone call, but getting out and meeting people and, and, you know, we're huge on relationships at reInvent and Saddleback. And, you know, when we work through, we're on the, the, the reInvent side, we're 100% channel focused. Mm -hmm. We don't sell against our partners. We do everything we can enable those entrepreneurs, largely, you know, 
Uh, we have businesses of all size, but we're chomping at the bit to get back out and see them. And maybe that's old school, but you know, we plan that because it's having those relationships is, you know, is a huge part of our business and keeping those relationships up and providing the value to them. It's, I don't know whether it's a phone call. Phone call is better than an email mm-hmm. and a visit in person is better than a phone call. You know, video is kind of in between there. I think the video meetings. Yep. Again, Andrew, we hopped around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're really messing up my script. I had a set of questions and we've gone haywire all over the place, but that's that's totally fine. Um, so I want to jump back a little bit from a kind of technology point of view, going back to comparing the UCAS, CCAS world to what came before, and particularly thinking about if there are people out there who don't currently offer a hosted PBX UCAS service, and today they're selling, I guess, PRIs to PBXs or maybe SIP trunks to PBXs, what are the benefits to a service provider? Why would a service provider move away from that comfortable world where they, you know, they sell a PBX and then they sell some trunks to it? What's what's the benefit of moving to um, these more advanced services? Well, the obvious one is that you there's more revenue, right? Depending on what type of organization you have, if you have um, MRR, the value of your business is immensely higher with uh, hosted. Then even with, if yes, you have MRR from analog lines, PRIs, or SIP or whatever like that. But when you're selling them a a truly enhanced service like the hosted PBX, you're bringing a lot more value to the table and the value of your business is immensely higher. I mean, we we definitely have partners who build up businesses on our platform and sell for tens of millions of dollars, right? So there are people out there willing to buy that business right away. And... They are not as interested in the traditional telephony business, right? Even the SIP trunks are somewhat commoditized. Now you, mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the biggest things is that you're going up the value chain in what you're providing. You're not providing... You're providing less of a commodity and, and more technology, especially when you get into the contact center as a service. And we're now augmenting more and more with... like So one of the things we're we support now is you know the ability to do sms or, or texting on yep. phone numbers right and so you know the ability to do a lot more more channels of communications and blend them all together whether that's chat on your website or the ability to text your you know main phone number or the ability to email and that come in you know do that so there's got to support all these channels but that's i would say that's that's one of the biggest i, I think there is you know, and I come from the uh, manufacturer world of PBXs, right? So I was in that world for a long time. You know, there's a lot about it that I love. And it's just so dramatic to see how much that's been diminished. So one thing that, you know, folks still thinking that they can just sell the phone service is that there's just not that many PBX manufacturers out there left. So I don't know <laughs> what you're going to be connecting that to, but very little. I will say the one kind of you know, toggle to that is Teams, where we're doing direct routing, which is essentially SIP trunks to the Microsoft PBX. Mm-hmm. But even then, you can just provide that, but you're going to have to learn more about the Microsoft PBX than you're probably people in the, the, the network management center are going to want to. So in some way or another, you're going to have to go up the knowledge chain and get out of that comfort zone a little bit, um, whether it's you know supporting direct routing on Teams or providing a UCAS solution. So yeah, a lot more value to the customer, a lot more value to the company, and less commoditization. Those are kind of three big ones. That makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, I think if, if you're in a relationship-focused business, then the more value you can provide to your customers or the more of the value they need that you're providing, and hence the greater the share of their spend, their revenue, they're sending to you because you're providing that value, that's obviously you know good good for your partners and good for reInvent. Yeah. The other thing, though, and I, I don't think is I could overemphasize this, is that the traditional phone system manufacturers that you might be selling phone service to they're all pivoting to the cloud too, right? You know, I would say like Mitel would be a good example. They still sell, you know, quote unquote premise PBXs, but but they're really their whole focus is trying to move to the cloud too. So any of those customers that you have that you're providing phone service to, if you're not talking to them about a cloud solution, I guarantee you, whoever that PBX manufacturer, if they're still around, because Panasonic just announced they're going away too, 
Samsung is long gone. Toshiba is gone. Suretel is gone. You know, only Avaya is still around, but they're they're aligned with Ring Central and moving to the cloud. There's almost nobody left. A few small players, you know, different things that are out there. But um, but yeah, it is guaranteed somebody is talking to your customers about moving to a cloud solution. If you are not, somebody is, and they won't be your customers for too much longer. Yep. Makes sense. So I'm curious to know a little bit more about the kind of businesses that end up becoming your partners, because as we talked about, the there are lots of benefits to UCAS and CCAS, but there's also more complexity there. And you know whether that's in just the number of features you're having to configure or the figuring out the demarcation between you know your the business network and your network and who's responsible for troubleshooting there's a lot of technical complexity there so for your partners what what kind of role are they playing what skills do they need and why are they why are they choosing to do this um compared to something else <laughs> You, you asked me about six questions there. I don't know if I captured them all. <laughs> Do your best and I'll, I'll remind you if, I'm, if you miss any. <laughs> so, so we're talking about the reInvent side here and our partners there. So our partners are really varied. We have partners that literally are single person company. That this is a you know, really entrepreneurial person and they sell it, they provision it and program it, and then train the customers and, and support them. Obviously, they grow slower, but but frankly, a few of those guys have done amazing business with very low staff. And then we go to the other end of the spectrum where we have companies that are you know spread across multiple states. They're private equity funded. They're buying companies or two or three companies every year and growing through acquisition. And they're using our platform for their UCAS and you know, they're branding it. Um, so we really span the gamut. So when you hear, if you're people listening are wondering, well, who, who could do this? Pretty much anybody. Now, on our wholesale side, there is some complexity. You're right. We have vastly streamlined the, the MetaSwitch. So we don't require people to get MetaSwitch certified. We have our own training program that new partners go through. It is uh, literally like a you know four hours for three days, and that's kind of call it meta switch and reinvent orientation. This is by no means meta switch certification, but then what we've done is we've developed a mentoring program. So our partners get the ability to they have their own section inside our meta switch, and they can program it up and they can provision customers. So if they they're not porting numbers over, they could have a hosted customer going that day within hours, literally. So in the beginning, depending on their knowledge set, you know, we, we take them to our training. Um, and then we start a mentoring program where we where during their first uh, on a first series of orders, really we've set it out as long as it takes. And they schedule a time like you use a cal- calendarly. How do you how do you say that? Calendar? Yes. Yeah, uh, calendly. Yeah. Calendly, yeah. So we use something like that for our um, trainers. And our our new partners, when they place an order, they're able to schedule a time with an individual. And then we work with them as little or as much. So we can just watch over their shoulders or we can actually do it for them and they can watch us or they can do it together. And so outside of that, you know, that formal training, which we do live and on on video, um, live at our facilities, but people can join by video too. Then we go through this whole mentoring process. And what we found, you know, this didn't happen overnight. We developed this over time. What's the best way to, you know, make this a smooth process for partners wanting to do this? So uh, then by the end of the, the kind of the mentoring process, then we move them over really to working more with our network management center and kind of does more tech support and problem solving. But by that time, they're really kind of trained. Now, the other thing that we developed is we have something called reInvent University, which you know we actually have a whole sales curriculum, we have a whole technical curriculum, and we've spent a lot of time and um, some resources, you know, and we brought in some help. But uh, we we flushed that out so after that live training, then they can go back online anytime they want, or if they hire new new people, they can go in and they can take the individual classes. So it's it is. It does require somebody with some level of technical expertise. Mm-hmm. 
you know, ideally we would love for everybody to understand, be able to read, you know, the RTP packets and SIP and knowing on. And we do have, and that's, we try to take people up, up that knowledge chain, but they can be relatively basic um, and have, you know, the general knowledge and we train them on that and then they can get going. So, so typically, you know, the, you know, our, our partners are going to have some technical people that are going to because they want to do the programming, they want to do the provisioning. We don't really talk on the wholesale side to the end customers, unless it's like some terrible issue that we can't quite get our hands around and the partners can't get our hands around with everything that we, all the tools we give them. You know, it's very rare that we're talking to the end user and your customers and our partners want that. So typically they're going to have some level of technical capability. They're going to want to own that customer service and provisioning process so they can deliver on that in the timeline that they want and they can deliver the level of customer service that they want. So again, I, I mentioned they range from one person on, on up to multi-state, you know, private equity. You know, we've actually worked with some public companies too, not currently, but um, you know, so we can be a the UCAS platform behind anybody. It, there really isn't a limit to the scale. But there's always, uh, that is kind of one of the differences with the wholesale and our, our partners is that they want to be the interface for the customers and they want to have control of that. And it sounds like that model has proved to be very valuable for your partners because, I mean, you were talking about people, you know, selling at high multiples, selling their business at high multiples, and it's not like they're just, just reselling, right? A reseller of somebody else's service, you wouldn't think would command a, a big value as a business, but something about the way you structured it has meant that the value provided by the partner and the value of the business they're creating is significant. Yeah, it is significant. I mean, it's significant and people look, you know, people are, there's a lot of purchases going on right now. People are trying to grow their businesses through acquisitions, right? Inorganic growth, I think people call it. But basically it's buying other company and getting bigger quicker. And so, you know, you can either build it or you can buy it. And there seems to be a lot of interest in our, in our partners who have bases, particularly the ones that are kind of done it correctly. So, so yeah, there is there are certainly anybody can go out there and sell. The reality is anybody can go out there and be an agent for you know some of these big carriers, you know that the, the kind of the national ones. And if you're a business owner, so you asked me who are our partners. It started out as the traditional what we would call interconnects, our phone system resellers, and then it's it's but it's more lately it's moved to you know it was kind of ours value added resellers, and then MSPs are really service providers, and that's where we're seeing a lot more growth. But there's there is a choice. They can be an agent for a company like one one of the big players, where essentially they just bring in the lead and turn it over and they're kind of not involved in it anymore. And they get reoccurring commission for that or MRR. They might even get a stiff up front, but they don't own that customer experience and they don't own that customer. So there's some value there, but it's it's greatly diminished. And the, you know, really the the relationship and the level to service that customer is highly diminished because you're relying on these other other companies to do that. Some of them do it better than others, but 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 fundamentally it, and if you're a company that's like I look at Avaya and their relationship with Ring Central, I honestly don't understand how that's any good for Avaya. Uh, it's just like any of our business partners who decide to do the agent model. It's fundamentally you're selling your company one customer at a time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can either build up a company with value and sell it all when you're ready or not, or you know, you can just sell it off one customer at a time if they're able to win it. Uh, it's kind of odd. Maybe it's a uh planned defeat. Maybe they, they realize that they're not going to survive and this way at least they can capture some value on the way down. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, I'm sure that you know you can rationalize anything with numbers. So <laughs> sure it looks good on a spreadsheet somewhere. <laughs> yep. Yep, indeed. Um, so quite a few of the folks who are listening to us probably are telcos, right? They are service providers who have a switch themselves. They've got PSTN interconnect themselves. They have already you know, existing subscribers, both residential and businesses. You've mentioned that some of your partners are actually telcos like that. How are things different for a partner that has their own network, their own equipment, who might be partnering with you to resell UCAS compared to one of the you know, these VARs or MSPs that you've talked about? Oh, that that is a great. Thank you for answering and asking that question, Andrew. Because uh, certainly, you know, when we deal with telcos, they come 
with a high level of knowledge already, but they also come with their carrier relationships, right? And that's the big difference. They are like, well, how is this going to work? We're already, we buy our own DIDs, our own 911. We pay for our own original termination. We don't need that any, in any of that from you. In those cases, we have a solution that we call the BYOC model, and that's short for bring your own carrier. So what we do a lot of times, and really with a lot of the carriers, it, it, especially ILEX that are looking to expand their footprint, they might be set up to sell within a certain geographic area. But anybody who has customers now in business, they often have multi-locations and they're being challenged. This is a really common their headquarters, you know, in South Dakota, uh, you know, but now they've got locations in you know, North Dakota and Des Moines and, you know, wherever. And we, we're, not, we're not set up to service those areas. So what we can do is if they just need more features than they have on their MetaSwitch and, and enhanced features and all the other things that we offer, we can set up uh, basically a trunk connection between our MetaSwitch and their SBC. It basically is SBC to SBC our session border controller to session border controller. And so they can just leverage and pay a greatly reduced rate. You know, it's wholesale too. So to use our switch and features, and then they can leverage their carrier relationships and keep all their DIDs, 911, manage all of that, the original termination. They don't have to you know, do use any of that. Now, for a lot of these partners, what we do is we set up that BYOC uh, agreement, and then we also they also leverage our all-inclusive agreement. And what we do, we're kind of unusual on that side. We just include unlimited local and long distance. We make that very easy. So they can use our switch and services and enhanced applications and, and still sell and control everything within their servicing area. And then they can use our all-inclusive solution to sell everywhere else around the country, um, in Canada, by the way. So that really great, greatly expands their reach and allows them to you know, you meet them where they're at. But that BYOC model is, is very popular with, when we're working with, with folks who are actually carriers. It's nice that you can mix and match that. So yeah, they can they can take advantage of their existing carriers within their own service area, but you also give them that then ability to expand, as you said, to the you know satellite offices um, of any business they have within their area um, through your you know your full service where you provide the DIDs and so on as well. Yeah, and we're we're also you know one of the things that is nice about reinvent Saddleback. First off. We're truly this values-based organization. We care about the businesses that we work with. You know, we want to form these deep, you know, relationships with them and you know, really want to help service them in the best way possible. Our kind of goal is, you know, we're gonna do good, you know, we're gonna do well by helping, you know, these other companies do good and you know be profitable. And so I think what we've found with working with uh, some of the other carriers, you know, we're, because we have the ILEX side too, it's a very familiar, you know, conversations, easy to easy to understand what we're doing and talk through, and we're very easy to work with. To that end, you know, we don't actually require any type of quotas or anything like that. There's, you know, we we require people to get trained, and then because you have to understand how to work with our systems, and you know, we do. Every company does things a little differently, but but we make it very easy to do business with us. And so people can really, you know, if they need, you know, they signed up the pizza franchise that happens to start out in their hometown and now it's suddenly going national and they want to, they want to capture all that business, you know, pretty much in like within a three to four weeks, we can have them selling throughout the entire nation. So yeah. Hey, I will say that like another kind of key to that though, you mentioned there's some complexities and there is, and that's where I think like our MSP customers actually kind of get like a little bit more concerned is, so there, there is the whole issue of, of actually taxation and billing and then uh, remitting all of that to the various states that you sell in. So we've done a lot to make that easy. One of the things that we, you know, we ha- that's been fundamental to our success there and working with whether it's the other, you know, other carriers or, or the MSPs and VARs and interconnects is that we have a private label billing solution that includes the tax engine. So it's branded and it, you know, it's set up so it can, we can do paper bills or we can do electronic bills. 
you know, they can set up ACH and credit cards or however they want to do it. But the, the bill looks totally professional. We work with a specialty compliance company and we've actually got several. The nice thing about the reInvent side of the business is a lot less regulated. You know, the ILEX side of the business is very regulated. So we've got all the people and, you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's, but then we understand the unregulated side. So in our billing, it's, it's, it's a really high quality bill and we, we make that very accessible to our partners because we want them to do everything correctly. And that where that pays off is when you actually do, if you ever do want to sell it, or if you want to avoid being audited. Right. <laughs> um, we all want to avoid so, being audited. So we, right, right. And so so we make sure and guide people through that process and give them the tools to build their customers and to tax them correctly and make sure they're collecting the money for the FUSF, which seems to be going crazy lately. But uh, yep. Yeah, so so that's the other piece that's really important that that folks understand is it's outside the technology and the training and the support. Then we bring in the whole kind of taxation and billing, and then you know we work with folks to make sure that they are able to remit and be compliant and all of that. Yep, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, as, as you're talking, you know, I'm imagining if I'm a you know, smaller telco who hasn't offered their own hosted PBX UCAS service yet. You know, you really have two options. One is to to kind of go with you know reinvent, say, and use bring your own carrier and piggyback off a lot of the uh, features that you've purchased and some of the solutions and backend stuff that you've got going on to make it easier. Or else you can maybe get some additional licenses from you know from MetaSwitch and kind of build it out yourself. I've got a slight conflict of interest here because oftentimes you know we will work with some of these smaller carriers to get that set up with them. Um, and that's certainly possible, but it is complicated. And so there's a trade-off there on the one hand, you know, do you have enough opportunity in your area to justify the upfront expense and effort of setting yourself up to do it yourself? Or do you want to dip your toe in the water and maybe make less margin, but with less capex up front as well to and go with you know reinvented a wholesale model and uh, take that approach, which also of course gives you the flexibility of the the broader regional uh, coverage. So there's there's a decision to be made there and it's going to vary based on each situation as to what the best path is. Well, so what's so interesting is I've given up this whole idea of is particularly what we do because we provide SIP to the remaining PBX manufacturers out there and and we provide, you know, and so we, we're certified with the number of them. And so we have relationships with them. We sell our own wholesale UCAS and the contact center and we're working with teams. So you really got to brace the idea of Repetition, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and frenemies, and uh, you know, it's like, hey, you know, it's like I don't need the whole pie. I just want you know to help you get more of a piece of pie for you. And in the in that process, we're going to get a small piece of the pie, and that that's awesome for your providers who are looking. Like one of the big things, right, is teams, right? Yeah, and that is a huge market opportunity. And I guarantee, no matter where the you know your customer your clients are, there's going to be a number of businesses in their backyard that are going to be wanting to go to Teams. Whether that's good or bad, I'm not going to... There's there's pluses and minuses to the Teams phone system element, right? But so one of the things that's been really critical is for us to be able to provide that direct routing or SIP trunks to Teams. The interesting thing about that, Andrew, is by having the ability to sell direct routing and, and talk to Teams, we're actually swell, selling more MetaSwitch UCAS. That's so interesting and slightly confusing. Is is that because well, you're having kind of a combined business, which is a mix of teams, well, UCAS, or what's happening? Well, we can do that. We absolutely fill in the gaps with the meta switch. So there's a lot of things that Teams just doesn't do great, like the door phones and overhead paging. And literally, we're working with one company that. So if you're not familiar with Teams, you can buy the dial tone from Microsoft. It's called you know calling plans, or you can buy the dial tone from. A provider, it's called direct routing. It's essentially SIP trunks, but you have to get your SBC certified and then you have to go through the whole process to get that up to speed and everything. And so that's what we've done. The, the primitives, you know, they've got you, you know, MetaSwitch makes you pay, but uh, you can get it up to speed and then, but then all, go through all the testing and, and get that out there. And so we've done that. So um, it's a lot more cost effective for enterprises to, and businesses, any businesses that want to use Teams for their phone system to use direct routing. It's a lot more flexible. Ours includes all the minutes, local and um, international, not international, excuse me, local and national. Um, and so, and 
one of the big differences with direct routing is much like uh, selling onto a PBX, you have 100 users, you could sell them 30 channels, right? right. Um, yep. And on the calling plans with Microsoft, you have to buy it on a one-to-one scenario. And it's $12 a calling plan. So each user has to have their own basically channel of voice for $12. And it gets really pricey. So we end up in a lot of conversations with people who are interested in um, using Teams. And then we can kind of talk them through the pluses and minuses because we've started to gather that experience. I mean, it is still a learning process and Microsoft likes to change things frequently. Um, yep. That's annoying, but... But it sounds like, are you finding that sometimes you have those conversations and actually they end up, they started out wanting to talk to somebody about Teams, but then eventually they end up deciding that the MetaSwitch UCAS solution is better for them? Yeah, that's exactly what, I mean, like there was one school district that we talked to and the, the superintendents had come from a different school. And it's like, we, I think we wanted, we were using Teams there, we should use that here. So their IT person, you know, we'll we'll support our partners, you know, however they need us to support. So they ask us to help engage in this conversation. And we kind of talk through some of the scenarios. Well, in that particular school district, they actually weren't using Outlook for their calendar. They were using it for email, but they also use the phones for intercoms. And it just doesn't seem like, you know, unless you've kind of completely bought into the Microsoft world. Mm-hmm. And you really are going to standardize. They were using Zoom for their meetings, not even Teams. Right. <laughs> so there's just going to be a tremendous amount of, of workflow shift that would have to happen across that whole school district in a number of different areas. Plus the fact that they liked having that intercom capability, which isn't, as best I can tell, supported in the Teams environment. Yep. I, I caveat that because things change quickly and somebody might say, oh, no, they can do that if they do this. and I could be wrong, but for in our testing, we could never get that to work. And as in looking online, it doesn't seem like it works. So I, you know, and I, I just told them, I'm like, listen, I, I, you know, Teams is great in a lot of scenarios, but unless you're going to do all this and start using Teams for your meeting, and you're going to live inside the Teams, you know, application and use that for your chat and presence, and it might not be the best solution for you. So in this case, our partner had been selling them SIP trunks onto their. I think it was a Mitel PBX that was there, but they were wanting to go to cloud. And I'm like, so we can we can support you in your team's effort. Our partner was able to tell them that and that migration because they buy their license licenses generally from whoever they're you know buying their license from now to add the Teams PBX. And then uh, so we can provide you the direct routing cost effectively. You know, it's a great solution. Or we can support you with this cloud solution. And I've had that conversation with partners and potential customers on many occasions. One was very interesting. It was a conglomerate of six different companies, and they had the head of all six companies on. And uh, we were talking about the pluses and minuses of using Teams versus the Meta Switch. And this partner happens, they happen to be a Microsoft partner. Well, one of the things with Microsoft Teams is your 365 administrator is going to have a lot of control over that. Right. Yes. And I the think- IT department suddenly has a lot of power. Right. And I think what was gradually dawning on these, you know, executives who ran all six of these different independent kind of companies but were owned is like they were going to be beholden to the IT department for all their telecom and call center. And they definitely decided at the end of that conversation that probably we want to go we start a look at the meta switch and the uh, the, the hosted you know UCAS and we'll use Teams for our meetings and voice enable the the audio enable the conference bridge for that. But we're going to do telephony separate. Yeah. <laughs> so th- that was, I could just see the wheels and you know, gears spinning in their heads, like, you know, because uh, that is a really different shift in control. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, so yeah. I also love from that story from a, um, as somebody who does some selling from time to time, as you do all the time, the power of options. The fact that these people thought they wanted something and you presented that option on the table that they wanted, but then you gave them other options too. And because you were able to provide what they thought they wanted, they were able to then consider the alternatives and ultimately, you know, choose something that you recommended, which was better than what they originally thought. Well, that's why, you know, yeah, that's why I was talking about that corruption, you know, is like, you know, right. do do we make more revenue if the partner sells the MetaSwitch UCAS-based platform? Well, ultimately, yes. But um, at the same time, you know, I would rather make something than nothing. And and you're not going to... The whole purchase of MetaSwitch and Microsoft also creates some interesting dynamics. 
for one, it gives us, we're able to talk about it. Hey, we are a MetaSwitch uh, Microsoft company based provider. RSBCs are owned by MetaSwitch, are Microsoft. They are yep. Microsoft native solution. You know, we might be stretching it there a little bit, but, um, you know, <laughs> so, you know, we, we've definitely, from a marketing perspective, Played up, and, and I've been on probably you know your listeners have been on the MetaSwitch calls and heard that too. But I think it's it's important. You know, you can either lean into it or fight it, right? Well, we're leaning in, and like we are, you know, Microsoft-based solution provider. We are working on actually. We hadn't been doing a lot. We use a lot of Microsoft, uh, but we haven't been. You know, we we positional applications in Azure, so we definitely were a, a big fan, but we hadn't become part of their partner ecosystem, which is now we are going to be doing that going forward and and embrace it more. That's been a cultural challenge in our organization, you know, mm-hmm. and we're we're dealing with that too. But hey, I will tell you, I want to go back because you know, we've talked about a lot of things with these MetaSwitch providers. There's two things that's really important. We make it really easy. So we've had people who they want to they want to start selling, but like they don't want to buy those licenses. And they'll put it on our system. We don't penalize them when they they get to like critical mass and reach that time where they they want to buy and and you know they're going to use your services and implement their own licenses. People mm-hmm. are free to move away, right? Mm-hmm. So we're sad to see them go, but we're happy for the time they're with us. So that 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 makes it very easy to kind of use us and then see if they really do sell enough to make it worth their while. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we're right now, you know, because we're talking about teams. Is that we've done all that work with direct routing and lots of I think the, the MetaSwitch uh, owners out there they haven't had the chance to go through you know all the testing and upgrading everything for their perimeters to support the direct routing. Well, we can do that BYOC setup with us, and they can leverage RSBCs and provide mm-hmm. direct routing without having to upgrade there. And then if they if they sell enough, then they can they can move it all back over to their own. So yeah. we're we're um, again. That's that that whole that that's kind of what we're all built on. We have had partners that start with us, and we've had multiple partners do this, where they build up their business, knowing that they love the MetaSwitch platform. That's where they want to go, and then they go on to buy their own MetaSwitch. Yep. Yeah, we have we have a mutual client that's done this, and they they knew from the beginning that that was their long term plan, but they wanted to get started before they were ready. And so they went with you initially, and then they later, you know, moved moved away. So yeah, I, I've seen you do. There's always a sad day when they move away. <laughs> you know, I definitely shed a um, you know revenue tear or two, <laughs> but um, but I was definitely you know that those are the type of discussions. You know, we we like to have those discussions up front. That's your plan. You know, that's we're totally on board with that, and we'll support you. And it's good for us to kind of understand that though, because you know that is. When they move away into their own platform, it is a significant revenue hit, right? Yep. But as long as we're able to kind of, we know that that's coming and predict that, you know, it's generally a very partner, good partnership. And so we're all having these discussions all the way through and they tell us they've, they've made that decision. And so, yeah, it, it, but it is a process to move off to. So we want to make sure and we're ready our people for that, anyway, you know, porting yep. on is much more fun. <laughs> yes, no, I'm I'm sure. But I do like your your enlightened approach. You know, you're thinking about the big picture, you're thinking about the long-term relationships and what's good for your clients, even if in the short term it's or even like in this case the long term, it's not good for you. You still have to be focusing on what's what's best for the clients. As we begin to wrap here, you, you've mentioned, you know, cooperation and the size of the pie. And obviously that's all kind of assuming that the pie is going to grow over time. What are your thoughts about the future? Do you think the pie is going to keep growing? Is there ever more opportunity in this space? Well, there. so first off, it's always changing. That is the one thing I love about this industry. Like I am a lifelong learner. And if you're going to be in, you know, this telecom space, you better love learning because, you know, it is constantly changing. And the speed of change has really ramped up, especially during the pandemic as people, you know, manufacture, well, Developers were really rushing to to service a need and ramp up, and uh, you know we had tremendous growth during that, especially on the you know meeting and collaboration. And so, I think that that's going to continue. I, I do think you know it's been this wide open market. For, first off, 
there's this tremendous base of installed phone systems out there. In my yep. former part of my career, I helped put a lot of those in and help partners sell those. I've always been a huge channel advocate. That's where my love is and passion is to help people do do well. And um, and then I do well because they're doing well. But um, so a lot of those have to come out. Many of the manufacturers are just gone, are going away. And so there is a there's a really big opportunity that still exists. So is there room for growth? 100%. There is still room for growth. Is the market... It does seem like the market is consolidating. It used to be nobody had 10% market share. And now there's a few big players, right? But there is still... You know, one thing is that it is shifting sands and things. You know, things can happen and and shift things rather quickly. A few purchases and then somebody drops the ball after the acquisition. You know, suddenly it's a wide open market again. So, you know, one of the things I've just you know never say die because you just never know exactly what's going to happen out there. So, the thing that I think is is going to happen is there is a little bit more of the voice piece that's been. It is not just voice that's driving the growth. One of the things that we see is a big, and we're having a, a focus on is uh, SMS capabilities, right? And so there are a certain segment of the population, usually trends younger, that uh, would prefer to, to text rather than talk. And uh, you know, but but yep. really anybody is like that now. I can't say that that's totally true. And and so the ability to support the texting, like we support that in our Max UC, the client for MetaSwitch. And then, but the ability to support more of that queuing and our sending out appointment reminders, we have it on our website, the chat and the ability for people to chat, you know, SMS into us. You know, you're like, hey, you know, uh, if you're on our website and you want to text us, we'll, we'll answer. If you want to chat us, we'll answer. If you want to call us, we'll answer. So those other channels of communications are becoming increasingly more important. Um, along with the collaboration elements. So um, voice is not dying. It's it's kind of like the underpinning piece of this. It's I think it's always going to be there, um, but it's definitely being augmented by by these other ways of, you know, that digital presence is something we really haven't talked about, but it's something that I think about and helping our partners provide to their customers because... Uh, the digital presence is almost more important than your physical location presence, you know, ever was because it's right. it's out there. And so, if you have a digital presence, you want those people to be able to talk to you or communicate with you, however they want to do it. Mm-hmm. So we're focusing on, in the back of my mind, although I might not talk about it to all our partners that way. And I think I did last January in our beginning of the year kind of roundup and everything uh, a bit, but um, but that's from a strategic kind of concept is a lot about what I think about and how we can, can, uh, can expand that. And then of course it gives us more stuff to sell, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're viewing CCAS and omni-channel, multi-channel communications as becoming ever more prevalent and moving downstream from the kind of large enterprises uh, into the SMB space over time. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, so we're, we're concentrating on adding those, uh, more of those applications to our to your offering our, 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 to our offering. Thank you. Yeah, yes. I'm hardly ever short of words, but yeah, to our <laughs> offering for our partners, right? So they can resell and they can provide what their customers want. Yep. There, yeah, there's a lot of lot of excitement out there. All right. Cool. Well, yeah, the future has a lot of opportunity. Um, as you say, it's an ever-changing marketplace, which keeps us all busy um, with our learning and hopefully continued growth. Thank you, Dave, for spending the time with us today. I really appreciate it. If there are people listening to this who want to learn more about uh, reInvent or connect with you, what's the best way to do that online? So the best way online, you can go to our website. You know, we do do all the social media as well. You know, I am on LinkedIn. If you want to connect to me, David Ansel, A-N-S-E-H-L. There is my father, so I'm the junior, but uh, I, I think you'll see the reInvent there and know it's me. But then if you go to our website, you know, reinventtelecom.com. And that name I love because we are helping partners reinvent their businesses. But there's, there's a lot of information on there. You can, you know, connect with us at chat with us on the website, text in, call us. You can fill out the form. Our marketing people would love that. Uh, but you can also read about why reInvent. And we really go through all of the different things under that tab uh, that you can kind of... So you can kind of understand this better. But but yeah, you know, you could also just call me. <laughs> you wanting to put your phone number on the, on the podcast? I, I am. Go for it. 
Yeah. So if people want to get in contact with me, uh, they can give me a call at 949-236-6100. Excellent. That's my direct number. All right. So you heard it here first. Voice is not dead. And uh, Dave's proving it by giving his phone number out uh, live on the air. So that's fantastic. Well, thank you again, Dave. I appreciate it. And for those listening, if you enjoyed this discussion, um, then please join us again for the next episode of VoIP for Independent Telecoms. Thank you very much.